To hear the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. The pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. I no longer think infections generally should be the major metric. We really have to focus on hospitalizations and deaths now. We're not going to eradicate this. Sooner or later, as we begin to live with it, virtually everybody is going to wind up getting exposed and likely get infected. The scarlet letter of this pandemic is the mask. It's inconvenient, it's annoying, and it reminds us that we're in the middle of a pandemic. So the question becomes, is it rational to disrupt our lives in all these big and consequential ways? Mm -hmm. At what point do the costs of pandemic precautions outweigh the benefits? Six former administration officials last week wrote that open letter urging the administration to change course, to change strategy. Is it time? It is time for us to do what we have been doing, and that time is every day. Patrons, thank you so much for supporting the show. We couldn't do any of this without you. It's been a really long year, and we've done a lot of amazing coverage. None of that would have been possible without your support. If you're listening to this and you're not a patron, then consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. You'll get access to our second weekly bonus episode and our entire back catalog of episodes. And if you'd like to help us out a little bit more, share the show with your friends, post about your favorite episodes, pick up a copy of Health Communism from your local bookstore or request it at your local library, and follow us at deathpanel underscore. So today is going to be a kind of look back at the last year. COVID year three is wrapping up, and we're going to walk through what happened and try and make some sense of how we got where we're at. And in fact, three of us were sick last week with COVID. And this was supposed to be our first full panel recording, but Jules is out sick with something else. So around this time last year, we did a similar episode to what we're going to do today. Um, We looked back on the year in review, but with one very specific lens in mind, which was the year in the sociological production of the end of the pandemic. So longtime listeners will know what we mean by this when we say it, but for people who are new to the show or for people who don't know what we mean by the sociological production of the end of the pandemic, what we mean by this is that the COVID pandemic is still very much ongoing. As of the most recently available data on the date of recording, according to the CDC, 2,981 people died of COVID in the last week in the United States, which is around 425 people a day. And according to the same data in the last year, 255,361 people have died of COVID in the United States. So that's a quarter of a million people and more than two and a half full incalculable losses, to borrow a phrase from the New York Times early on in the pandemic. And this is obviously not to mention the many other consequences of COVID, among them long COVID, as we've talked about at length recently, Or, for instance, the more than 10 million children who have been left without a caregiver because of COVID. Right. And despite this, to quote President Biden, the pandemic 
is over. I was wondering when you're going to bring that line. I was like, I was like, oh, do we need a good example? Well, Biden just saying the, the pandemic is right. over in September. That's perhaps the he actually said it. No, no. Oh, yes, he did. Okay, yes. And this gets to the heart of what we're talking about today and what we mean by the sociological production of the end of the pandemic. That is, how can the pandemic be over in the face of the figures that we've just mentioned? And the answer is something that has informed, really, I think, the entire way that we've talked about COVID on this show from mm-hmm. really the beginning of the pandemic, yeah, um, which is that there has been a profound social and political process to naturalize the pandemic and its effects. And so the thing I think we've followed most closely here on Death Panel is the key moments in that slippage, really, showing when and how this normalization occurs, calling out when what's often presented as big new insight into COVID has much less to do with anything real and much more to do with what we'd like to believe about the pandemic. And so, again, we're going to be looking back at the last year in that process. Um, But what I'd like to say from the top uh, is that this year in review show, I think, is going to be a little bit different from last year in a kind of interesting way. Last year... I just want to note when we did a show called COVID year two, it had a very specific goal, which was to help people understand that since his inauguration, Biden and his administration have been the chief proponents of COVID normalization. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Definitely, It was true then. It's really true. Still true. Uh, true. Yes. When you look at the events this year, um, (laughs) but you have to understand in fall 2021, this position was not very well understood or very commonly understood. Yeah. Well, yeah. And it, but the, um, ironically, though, or or I don't know, just sort of contradictorily, it felt like I remember like getting ready for that episode and it felt like going into it. I, I knew exactly where the narrative was going. It seemed really like clear. And now I think kind of as a result of the social sociological production that we've been talking about the narrative is is somehow even murkier. Like it's more yeah. obvious yes. in a way, like what they've been doing. But then yes. I'm, I'm like one, I just from the top want to say, Artie, you, you put this timeline together and uh, just like hats off to you because um, <laughs> I, I just think like even like piecing in part because, you know, uh, media is queuing off of what uh, elites are doing. And that's just that like makes the narrative like harder to congeal. So this is this is i think going to be great yeah yeah i i have to say i guess two things one is that i think that unfortunately you'll probably experience a similar feeling this year <laughs> looking back at in terms of like re-understanding the year as uh as happened last year and two is like actually having revisited covid year two now it's very sad actually to kind of look back and see like well yeah. A lot of the trend lines that we were pointing out, a lot of the things that we were saying, well, it seems like this is where it's headed. That's basically where, where it that's the story. Yeah, like the, yeah. the story that, that we suggest right. might unfold in COVID year three is what we're about to go through, actually. Indeed uh, unfolded. <laughs> yeah, indeed yeah. unfolded. Um, so thankfully, I do think, as we've been saying, now it's much better understood uh, that the Biden administration have been kind of the leading edge in normalizing the pandemic. Um, so if you've heard last year's COVID recap, this should build on that. But even if you haven't, this year's show stands alone and has a much broader message, which is, again, this is the year that Biden declared the pandemic over. Um, But just because they want to be done with it doesn't mean that it is over. And just because they've normalized things like the end of masking doesn't mean that we can't win things back. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. really important to keep in mind right before we dive in <laughs> um like as we'll see they want it to be over and done with without so much as passing paid sick leave and for that matter far from taking this moment to recognize that we have a profound unmet need in providing free universal health care uh the biden administration is actively about to kick covid vaccines and therapeutics to the private market mm-hmm. and stop guaranteeing to pay for them at the federal level and we can't just let that slide so Welcome to our year in review, 2022, <laughs> a year in which we all got played. Yes, we this did. is COVID year three, the year the pandemic ended. <sighs> yes. What a title. So much <sighs> like last year, we're going to proceed through a timeline of events, stopping for commentary frequently. Also, fair warning. If it seems like we're spending a lot of time on the first three months of the year, you're right. Uh, so much <laughs> happened in that period that really needs to get unpacked. And I promise the pace will pick up after that. The other thing I want to note just before we start the sort of timeline is this has something of a companion episode. When we were researching this, it became very evident that there was kind of a second entire story here that also required a lot of extending back like further into 2021. So that episode, which is going to be called something like how Democrats ended masking or something like that is going to go through a series of events that overlap a little bit with what we'll be talking about today and is more about the sort of social process of how liberals just gave up on masking. I mentioned that because, you know, these two episodes, I think, will really inform each other. And that masking episode will probably be out soon. Or if you're listening to this unlocked in the main feed, it's probably already out. So without further ado, timeline. Here we go. I'm going to more or less um, begin where our where last year's year in review left off. But I think in order to sort of understand where we're picking up, we kind of need to give some some brief context, actually, for what the end of 2021 looked like. So let me just set the scene, if you will. It's the end of 2021. We've passed about 800,000 dead. We haven't hit one million yet by the official count, at least. There are still mask mandates in eight states. That's right. Only eight. Yeah. We get into why this is in the masking episode. In mid-November of 2021, the Discourse Factory is operating at full blast, um, (laughs) following a series of enormously influential op-eds and press appearances earlier in the fall. A few experts, among them J.G. Allen and others, have begun to really spread the idea that, quote, one-way masking works which will turn out to become the slogan of giving up on masking. Mm -hmm. Also prominent in the discourse at the time is the idea of off-ramps. The New York Times writes, we need to talk about an off-ramp for masking at school. Everybody was so anxious. (laughs) We need to talk about it. When are we getting off the highway, Mom? (laughs) Monica Gandhi writes in The Atlantic that it's time to contemplate the end of the crisis, which is all about the idea of off-ramps. And that's all she's been doing. I was going to say, it's time. It was time for her like six months before that. uh, Listen, let's not be ableist here. Monica Gandhi maybe takes a long time to process things, and that's just how you know she works. Uh, No, but last year, you know, when we were really looking back at things, we kind of diagnosed like this moment as being like uh, trickle down gaslighting where you had all this sort of like contemplating going on that was suggesting that we should start turning away from some of these things. Yeah. Um, November 12th, 2021, David Leonhardt writes for the New York Times, quote, the bottom line is that COVID now presents the sort of risk to most vaccinated people that we unthinkingly accept in other parts of life. This raises the question of which precautions should end now or soon and which should become permanent, unquote. 
in November of 2021, uh, this also puts us within a year of the upcoming midterm elections. I mentioned this because at the time, um, some Democratic Party politicians like the governor of New Jersey start running focus groups. Uh, one of their findings, according to them at least, is that the remaining COVID protections in their states galvanize at least one block of voters in their state to vote against them. Um, <laughs> governors start talking amongst themselves about this. This will be important later when we get to February. At the end of November, while many people are gathered together for Thanksgiving, as they have been encouraged to do so by the Biden administration, the world learns of Omicron for the first time, followed by a more or less immediate spike in cases and deaths. Despite this, the discourse immediately begins. The new Omicron variant is mild. Mm-hmm. This idea this that is Omicron my favorite is, one, I think. Um, the, the idea that Omicron was milder than previous variants uh, ultimately wouldn't pan out to be true, but that doesn't stop people from running with the line for months and really still saying it today. That said, of course, the supposed evidence that Omicron is a milder variant came almost exclusively from anecdotal comments made by physicians and virologists in South Africa, where it was first discovered. Sequenced, yeah. Sequenced, yeah, sequenced specifically. You know, despite the enormous prevalence of this supposedly mild new variant, between November 3rd of 2021 and the end of the year, 73,514 people die of COVID in the U.S. All of these figures going forward, unless otherwise stated, are CDC figures. And uh, one final kind of piece of uh, fascinating context is that by the end of December 2021, the CDC's official stance on reinfections reads as follows, quote, cases of reinfection with COVID-19 have been reported, but remain rare. <laughs> okay. okay. Rare yeah. <laughs> because it's inherently biologically rare or rare because it's been prevented with NPIs prior to this point. I right? mean, except for by that point, we all already know that reinfections are a thing. Yeah. And they're common. But no, yeah, I, I mean, digress. it is so, telling um, really actually how far we've come in terms of comprehension on reinfections and breakthrough infections in 2022, because, you know, thinking about it now, it feels like a year to five years ago that we were being yelled at by people for even like bringing up the topic of breakthrough deaths, right? Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. feels like a decade ago, but oh. it was, it was like <laughs> it was nine like months like ago. April. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, we're, we're getting to that. That's a big, that's actually. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's a little jarring to remember like, oh yeah, right. Like around the holidays in 2021, we were still fighting about reinfection being real. People yeah. still were like getting up on CNN to be like, yeah, you get COVID once, you're good, bro. Right. And then, like, well, shortly after, a million positive tests in a day, right? Like, two weeks later. I think the Omicron wave that we're discussing was really kind of the final, I mean, not to be too morbid about it, but I guess it it's appropriate, like, the final nail in the coffin for, like, any credibility attached to Biden's vaccine-only strategy. Right. You yeah. know, it was becoming clear over that summer that it wasn't really going to work, that, like, shutting down the virus, you know, without any NPIs was, like, not really going to be possible with the vaccines that were available. But I feel like the Omicron wave was kind of the absolute death of that, like, the credibility of that position. I think the Biden administration oh, has maintained that position, you know, to this day. Oh, yeah, um, credibility but- doesn't matter, right, at some point, because <laughs> when you, I mean, I feel like the other big thing that's changing around this time, or actually before this time, but now it's sort of uh, by the point that already you're talking about is sort of, like, locked in, is, like, 
this market for expertise mm-hmm. is really the 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 value that you get in that market is yeah. sort of going with the the most optimistic like you get more credibility the more optimistic you are about things yeah right. and the more um, you toe the line that everything's fine that the Biden administration has got this under control that simply you know Biden just caring about it in a way that in a qualitatively different way than Trump is like going to be enough right and so so my point is that it's not that there aren't people who are you know out there saying like or you know casting doubt on those things uh but i i don't i just don't think at this point that they have as much uh cachet um yeah. and then and then really by now as we'll see like they have like zero uh, cachet to some extent. Like they've, they've been completely marginalized. Also, I think as we'll see, it is, I think this is a really big uh, component of the story. This both sort of reinfections and breakthrough deaths. The idea that we kind of like persist on with this vaccine only strategy, despite the fact that like, it's like, we don't like the, the, the Biden administration, I think essentially refuses to absorb new information about this (laughs) and adjust their plan at all. But so uh, anyway, back back to our, our timeline. Um, we're going to start the timeline proper, not just the context, with um, December 2021. To hear the full episode, become a patron at patreon.com slash deathpanelpod. You'll get access to this and the rest of our catalog of patron-only episodes. And be the first to get a new patron episode every Monday when it drops. With love, the Death Panel.